0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: That move, I don't care of Just do it. Give me everything you got! Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's quarter time. It's quarter time. let go! Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy.
1: That's right of the week, and we're talking ball today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 307. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with former NFL running back Danny Woodhead, and he is just the perfect guy to talk to this week. And here's why. Not only can Danny Woodhead give us insight into New Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, a guy that he spent four years with down in San Diego when Sirianni was the offensive quality control coach and then grew into the quarterback's coach, but... He also spent two and a half years playing with Tom Brady in New England before that. and so He's going to help us preview this week's Super Bowl matchup between Brady and the Bucks and against Andy Reid, but it's really a fun conversation, and I hope you guys are really going to enjoy it. Before we get to Chalk Talk, a couple quick things to hit on. First off, I want to urge you guys, go over and check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. The Senior ball is now behind us. It was a really productive week last week. A bunch of NFL Draft prospects really, really shined, and so if you're not already, be sure to go over and subscribe to that podcast. We've got all of our takeaways on there. We talked to a bunch of college coaches last week and got some more exclusive content coming your way as well over on that channel, not to mention just weekly analysis for myself, Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell. So be sure to go check that out. Subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. Also, I mentioned Ben Fennell there. He and I are doing that segment each week here on the podcast called Scouting Report. This week, Ben and I are going to be taking a little bit of a break from the Eagles and Nick Sirianni-related content just to look ahead to Sunday's Super Bowl. So if you want to watch along with us and share your thoughts, Basically what each of us are doing is we're going to watch all of the third down plays from the time that these two teams, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, met back in Week 12. All the Bucks' third downs on offense, all the Chiefs' third downs on offense, be really easy for you to go up on Game Pass, be able to find that. We'll see what kind of takeaways uh, that we can glean to help paint a little bit of a bigger picture for the important themes to watch here in this matchup on Sunday. We'll be doing that later this week, right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And if you've got an idea for uh, something that you want us to look at, if you're interested in, in a specific player or a scheme, all you got to do is jump on the Apple Podcast, leave us a rating, and leave us a comment, hit it in there and say, hey, Can you guys cover this in Scouting Report? And we will for sure get to your topic. Whether it's college, pro game, doesn't matter. Uh, That's the best way to get it to us. Leave that question on the page. We'll absolutely grant your wish. That being said, let's get this show started. It's time to now dive into our chat with Chalk Talk and Danny Woodhead. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to welcome into the show former NFL running back Danny Woodhead. Danny, thanks for joining us here on Chalk Talk. Hey, thanks for having me. So you spent four years with the Chargers going back uh, 2013 to 2016. You overlapped there with new Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. And so I thought, you know, let's bring Danny on. Let's have him talk about what it was like kind of being around coach Sirianni at that point in time. Um, You know, give me kind of the elevator speech on him. What was it like working with him for those four years? And what do you feel like the identity will be that he will bring to this Philadelphia Eagles offense and to this whole rocker room?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, he was never my coach of my position because I was a running back. He was the receivers coach or quarterbacks coach. He kind of flip flop. And I think in year two, he went to quarterbacks coach and then he went back to receivers because in some ways not that Philip Rivers didn't need coaching but he was a really 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 good receivers coach and Philip already had his ways of doing things which sure. he helped him out but he had his own ways of doing things and he he did an incredible job with the receivers um he's an intense guy he's a, he's a, he's a competitor he uh he focuses on the details and our receiver our receivers got along great with him did now did was he, uh, he wasn't afraid to, to raise his voice every once in a while. I, I would nickname what What would I call him? I think I called him tornado. Cause I, I would always be like, Whoa, tornado. How are you going to be okay today? <laughs> and it really, I, I always blew things out of proportion. Um, it wasn't that bad, but he, I, I always gave him a hard time, but the guy, the guy loves the game. He loves ball. He's one of the one of the smarter people i've i've been around when it comes to you know just even the x's and o's he's a great dude but when it comes to x's and o's he he's really good whether it be i don't know just different different plays to beat different things like blitz zero beaters mm. he's amazing at that and amazing at the details and we wanted people to blitz zero us because we would score on it or we'd sure. get big plays so like we wanted them to to you know go blitz zero on us and he was he was big into the blitz zero beaters um and then as he was around more and more and i can't speak for what how he was in indy but i mean he it wasn't just blitz zero beaters it was kind of everything and he just he's a good dude uh unbelievable mind offensive mind um so yeah i i think i i said it last year when when i can't remember who it was but Someone interviewed him, and I was like, I, I don't expect it to be long. I just didn't expect it to be long because of what um, what I saw in my four years. I was like, that, that guy has it.
1: Sure. And he's obviously a young coach uh, kind of at that point. You talked about just his relatability to the players and, and that relationship. Can you just talk as – a, as a former player, you had a bunch of, uh, obviously, player-coach relationships throughout the course of the, your career in the NFL and in college – How important is that aspect of it? You know, and obviously it changes as you go up the ladder as a coach from position coach to coordinator to head coach. But how important is that ability to be able to relate and communicate uh, with your players?
0: I mean, I think it's important on, you know, in any level in life.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, you're talking about businesses. I mean, building relationships is the most important thing. If you're someone high up, if you're a CEO and you won't talk to your people, the people under you, what kind of leader is that?
1: I'll
0: tell you what, it's not a good leader at all. It's it's it just isn't. You want you want if if you're working under someone or if I am, if I'm going to follow you, I want you to talk to me. I want you to explain how things are done. I want you to care about me and my family. Is that is that asking a lot? I don't know, but if you're a CEO, there's a reason you're getting paid that money.
1: Hmm.
0: So if, if you're leading correctly, you are going to be building relationships. And I think as far as my interactions from Nick, I think he, he'll, he I had a great relationship with Nick. I mean, I, I feel like I had a great relationship with a lot of coaches, but sure. it's kind of what you put in. And, and at least in my case, I felt like he put in enough to you know act like he cared whether he did or not. He, he made you feel like that. And yeah. I think
1: that's important. No question. I feel like that seems to be a, a resounding theme that's come from a, a lot of his former players is uh, just that relationship he was able to build. And you talked about it from an X and O standpoint, uh, you know, his uh, his willingness and his exuberance to try and beat zero. Uh, watching a lot of his uh, the offenses that he's been a part of, both the last three years in Indianapolis and even going back uh, to some of those Chargers offenses, one theme that consistently stood out to me, and I've talked about it here on the show the last couple of weeks has been the ability to create yards after catch in that scheme. And you know, just going back and even looking at your time there, I, I looked up at uh, one of the numbers. Back in 2015, you had over 730 yards after the catch. Not only did that blow away all running backs, but you led the entire NFL in yards after catch. So I, I want to ask you, how much of an emphasis do you feel like that was for you guys on a weekly basis or during the offseason, saying, hey, this is going to be a part – of our of our identity is to be able to get you guys the ball in space to let you go to work.
0: I mean, I I think without a doubt that's that's something, you know. Hopefully, the really good coaches do anyways, because mm. you want you want to get your your really good athletic or skill players the ball with space, and then let them do what you know God created them to do, and that's run fast, um, make people miss. Um, so I think that's that has something to do with it, but I mean. It's also, it's let's make the right play, you know? And I think, I think sometimes, I'm not saying a bunch of coaches, but I think sometimes people in the league, and, and you'll even see it in quarterbacks, it's like, let's just make the right play. If you make the correct play or the correct decision, things are going to work out fine. If it's first and 10, and let's just say you're, it's a drop back pass, it's not a run or play action, whatever it may be. Oh, there's someone deeper that, yeah, I could hit. Or you know what? There's a tight end over the ball, or there's a back in the, in the flat. Let's make sure we get to second and five. Let's not be in second and 10. Because if you think about that over the course of a game, that puts you in better position on third down. Third down in red zone wins games. It just does. Sure. If you're going to be third and eight to third and 10, it's not going to work out well. If you're going to be third and five or less, and if it's second and five uh, off, a, off a check down or whatever, you run the ball, maybe you only get one. But third and four looks great. And if you have some dudes that can go get open, well, a lot of teams are going to play man. Go get open. And, and I think he does a great job, or at least his belief is just letting the players make plays. I mean, obviously, he's him and, and Frank, they scheme like crazy sure but they're going to put people in the correct position to ma- to make plays but they're also going to make the correct play
1: did you have a uh, a favorite concept favorite you know a route combination that you were a part of that uh, you know kind of stands out from during your career in in San Diego
0: yeah i'm not going to i'm not going to say any of the names because sure, of those course. Con- those concepts i'm sure some of them have carried over um i, I was big in the i loved the red area yep uh, i love third down too um but red areas when you know some of the more fun plays i don't know i mean it wouldn't shock me if if he's gonna run some three by bio where the tight ends <clears throat> it's it's a crowd formation is what it's called it's like trips but tight end back are on the same side um and you can get into a, a lot of different angles or fake angles um twist routes, a, a lot of different things, but the thing I liked about it is and he he'll do a great job of this too. Is he's going to put his his quarterback in the rest of his players for me it was important to know if it was man or zone because it eliminates a lot of things. If it's man there's man blitzes that come. If there's zone, there's zone blitzes. Well, 3 by 0, right away you know if it's man or zone because you have the tight end and the back on the same side. Yep. And then you have the three receivers. Um so you know, I think that's the biggest thing is he's going to put people in position to know what to do. Because as a running back, it was important as a quarterback. It's much more important mm. because then you just have those indicators right away. Um, so whoever the quarterback is next for you, guys next year for you guys is going to know what it is. Or he'll do, you know, pre-snap motions, pre-snap shifts, mm. that stuff. There's a lot of teams that aren't doing those things. Because I don't know if it's too complicated. I mean, we're in the building for however many hours. (laughs) It's not college football. But by doing that, it gives you an advantage as a player. And even me as a running back, it gave me such a huge advantage. So I think he's going to... Those are some things I like. I love the crowd formations because a lot of times, especially if it's man, it's just me and a backer or me and a safety or whatever it may be
1: the Saints have been so good at that over the, guy, even thinking back to, you know, when it was Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles, now certainly with Alvin Kamara, and they'll do it with Michael Thomas in terms of, you know, you get those formations to the boundary, you get those 3 by one sets or the 3 by 0 sets uh, with the tight end and like a, kind of a nub formation, it really kind of forces the defense to show their cards a little bit, as you mentioned, and uh, it's funny you brought up the, the pre-snap motion element of it, because I feel like that's been a little bit of a talking point uh, here in Philly uh, since the hire is that, oh, well, you know, you look back to what they did last year, they were 28th in motion. But then going back last week on the show, we watched all of the, their explosive plays, all of their 20 plus pa- passes from this past season. So many of them, you saw that pre-snap motion where they were able to give the quarterback some you know, pre-snap indicators of man zone. And now the quarterback knows, hey, this is the side of the field I'm working on. This is the route that I'm working. It just gives the quarterback so much information uh, pre-snap. And obviously when you have those versatile pieces, that uh, certainly helps uh, make job a little bit easier for the coaches as well to set those up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and I'm sure a lot of the, there were a decent amount of big plays on over routes yep. uh, versus, versus post safety, whether it be three or nine. Um, they, they do a great job of window dressing. Um, I said they, as in Frank and, and Nick, but you guys are getting Nick, who is just a, in my eyes, a, a younger Frank. I mean, they are different personalities, but they very similar in their thought process. They're, they do a lot of great things. I mean, when it comes to offense, they're, really, really good, you know, offensive coaches. And I, I, like I said, I think, I I think he's a, he's a great hire. I thought he was someone that was going to get a head coaching job relatively soon. As I said that, I think a year or two ago.
1: So before you go to San Diego, you spent a couple of years uh, in new England where uh, obviously you played with Tom Brady. And before we kind of get into Sunday's game with the the bucks and the chiefs, I want to ask you first, just about playing with him and also playing with Phillip Rivers throughout your career. You know, you know, one guy, obviously Brady's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. I feel like Rivers should be there uh, when it's all said and done as well, in my opinion. What were some of the the similarities, some of the traits, some of the 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 commonalities between those two guys that you feel that they shared, not necessarily on the field, but uh just off the field, you know, whatever it is uh that those guys had in common?
0: Obviously, Tom, I I believe is the greatest of all time. And I mean, yeah. this is 10th Super Bowl. Average career, average career is what two and a half years, and right. he has ten Super Bowls he'll be playing in. Um, and I, I was very fortunate to play with both um, Tommy and Phil. If Phil's not in the Hall of Fame, just playing with both of them and seeing them, it's an absolute travesty. And the people that are voting obviously don't really know, obviously what they're doing. Um, so the similarities, I would say, the attention to detail, the the ability to get 10 other guys on the same page because we're talking about football 11, uh, 11 people on the field if there's two or three guys not doing the right thing if there's one guy not doing the right thing the play's gonna suck it's just that's not right. gonna work yep and as a leader you got to make sure you can get all the other guys on the same page and what is that that's through communication and that's through communicating the mic points that's through communicating the protections uh, there are multiple times um, I, I've told this story about Phil, but also about Tom. like there are multiple times where he said, "Hey, I need you, Woody. And it's like in the at the end of the cadence. There's a time where Phil, as the ball's being snapped, he changed my route in while well, the snap was in the air. <laughs> and now, I, I mean, you have to be on the same page with them, sure, but I mean, I I'm practicing every day. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to where as long as you communicate with them, which you're not going to be out there if you don't, because they will make sure that you communicate. And, and that's the, I think the number one thing that those guys did is they made sure everyone was on the same page because we, when Philip did that and called out my route as the ball was being snapped, it was on a third and five in the first round at, at Cincinnati. And we ended up making a big third down conversion ends up going to points. So like stuff like that's important. The the you know the the communication. Yeah, they both can throw the ball great. Sure. Their accuracy was unbelievable. But if you if you don't communicate, you never get to the accuracy, you never get to the arm strength.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun just being able to talk with people that have been around uh some of the best certainly at that position since uh you know many will say it's the most important position in sports. So with that said, let's kind of get to this weekend. Uh, what do you think of this matchup? How do you think it shakes out uh, between Bucks chiefs
0: You know, I, I'm not n- – maybe it's a little bit of a homer because I played with Tom, but I, I do think they'll find a way to win. Hmm. Uh, I do also think that the Kansas City Chiefs' offense is kind of like a creative team, like on Madden.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> no Tyreek Hill
0: and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You know, and the, but but the Bucs have great players too. So I, I think it'll be a close game. I'm going with Tampa because I played with Tom and I played with Gronk and they were both awesome teammates. So I'm leaning towards that. Don't know, I don't know the people or the guys at the Chiefs, but if the Bucs want to just say, hey, we're, we're going to not let Kelsey and Hill beat us. If the running backs beat us or if Hardman beats us or if Watkins ends up playing, if he beats us, then they have to live with it. But that's something that you have to do. Uh, the Belichick always would, on the best receiver, if it was a Tyreek Hill type guy, he'd put the number two corner on him yep. and then a safety on him. Sure. And then, yep. and then the other receiver just gets the number one corner. And then make sure you're never guarding Travis Kelsey with their linebacker. Ever. Right. Right. Ever. Don't ever do it. And you find a way to do it. And I don't care if it's go dime, I don't care what it is. Make Edwards Alaire, make. Hardman make Watkins make anyone else on earth beat you because the bills didn't, they said, you know what? We're going to let Kelsey, we're just going to play zone and we're just going to let Kelsey roam free and be, uh, I don't know, like three yards away from the nearest defender or Tyreek Hill. We're going to, yeah, we're going to not let him beat, beat us deep. Well, that's why I just always have a safety there
1: mm.
0: who cares about the run. Let them average nine yards a carry. But if you're going to lose, lose going down swinging.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially like uh, the one matchup I don't feel a lot of people talk about necessarily is going to be uh, Steve Spagnuolo from uh, the Chiefs going up against Tom Brady, and that's a, a matchup that goes back in Super Bowl lore a long time ago. But uh, I think when you look at the way that the Chiefs are able to play complementary football offensively and defensively, Look, they could take as many risks as they want with that defense in terms of being able to pressure the quarterback. We've seen it time and time again this season. If they feel like, hey – This could be a shootout. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got Tyree Kill. We've got Travis Kelsey. I'm going to send the house if I want to, and and it it might be a little bit of feast or famine, but I can take that risk because I know the offense I've got on the other side that they could score 35, they could score 40 if we need them to. I feel like that's going to be a really interesting uh, kind of battle from that standpoint of it. Have you you ever gone against Spags from a, a defensive coordinator standpoint?
0: Yeah, I have. And you know the thing that was always great about Tom and what we did in New England. I don't know if they'll do it in Tampa. I mean, I. I would, but if I, if, if, if we're expecting pressure, if we are expecting, you know, I mean, obviously Chris Jones is unbelievable. Sure. Um, and they, and they have guys that can rush the passer. Um, but just go empty, get the ball. That's, that's what Tom would always do. Gets the defensive line tired. It gets them super annoyed. Cause then they're like, why are we even rushing? (laughs) Like we, we used to do that against the Colts all the time. Uh, Franey and Mathis arguably two of the best, to you know in a tandem Mm -hmm. and it's like we just go empty it's like good luck you can run as fast as you want but the ball's coming out so if if they're getting in the blitz game or whatever like i'm just going empty but Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens spags is a great coordinator he'll have some answer you know he'll he'll try to dial up some answer for the empties because he knows that tom he knows how tom has that in his in his game and and he knows that uh they, they have done some of that but I don't know. That's that's my take on it, but that's also uh, me uh, being in it from well, New England ish. Right. Um, that, that's that's kind of what I would go to. It's like, okay, you want to, yeah, you want to blitz. All right, we'll just do that then.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that chess match will certainly be interesting. Before I let you go, I want to ask you too, uh, from a football standpoint. I feel like the last few years we've seen a, a huge spike in running backs vertically down the field in the passing game. Uh, is that something you're like, man, guys, like you couldn't have done this like a decade earlier? You know, get me down the field for uh, you know some of these routes down the rail or down the seam.
0: Yeah, I mean that that would have been nice. <laughs> Kansas City does an amazing Outstanding. job. Outstanding, no question. They're unbelievable with that. Or even like, I mean, we ran it a couple times in San Diego, but even like running corner routes out of the backfield. Sure, it's yeah. the easy. I mean, corner route first of all, you have a linebacker on you. And second of all, it's just something a little different because what I would try to do is I tried to make every single release the way I release the same exact. Mm. I tried to be always in like a cheat position out of, out of gun, which would be straddling the, the left, the left tackle. or right tackles outside leg. Yeah. It, even on runs on everything. Cause I didn't want them to cue, be able to, you know, cue in on something. Um, so that would be very – I always wanted that to happen, but it rarely <laughs> happened because yeah. it, I guess it just wasn't as popular then. But uh, it's a, like one of the easiest ways to beat a linebacker.
1: And I, I feel, too, with all the like the pattern match zone coverages around the league now, or really not even just the league, around football, uh, You know, by that route inserting into the secondary as late as it does, those defenders have already kind of deployed. They've already matched to certain routes, and the, if you're coming from the backfield – you're just a, it's a little bit harder to pick up and you see some of these guys wide open, uh, time and time again. I, I figured I'd ask you about that uh, yeah. before we kind of let you go.
0: No, no, it's definitely uh it would have been nice. And the thing is, if if you're running that route, there's obviously either a receiver running a hitch or a tight end leaking in the flat. Nope. You know? So I mean, like if somehow the corner randomly dropped back and is worried about the running back, which they never are, but say they did, you have a five yard you know, gain on the
1: outside. Sure. Uh, so th- you've got a podcast now, uh, the out yeah. of nowhere podcast, you host it with uh, a former teammate of yours and, and Matt Slauson. Uh, tell me about this. Cause it, number one, I want to know how do you, what do you guys get into on the pod? When did you first come up with the idea to start it? And then, uh, how do you like it so far? Uh, what's it like, uh, being a podcast host?
0: You know, it's, it's funny. It was the last thing I ever wanted to do. in my life. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it. I was like, I'm not doing any shows, any radio, yada, yada, yada. Did you I'm like just, doing media when you were a player? No, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so, so like I wanted nothing to do with it. I, yep. I'm going to be very honest. I didn't hate you guys, but I was like, oh, I don't want to have to do this and it, Probably because when I was my time in new England, Right, right. It's like, you don't say anything. It's just, like, don't say anything. So, it's, sure. like, my personality never came out until probably my last year or two in the league. Okay. And I was, like, oh, Bill's not going to get mad at me. It's, like, I don't play for him anymore. <laughs> um, but it's, it's we, we, what we talk about is we talk about, we talk a lot of NFL. Yep. We talk, you know, during the college football season, we'll talk about Nebraska because I'm I'm from Nebraska. He played at Nebraska. And he's from Nebraska now. Um we get into golf and then we get into, you know, people's stories because like everyone has their story has came out of nowhere. Yours. I don't know your story, but it's out of nowhere. Like, I mean, you're born, you're a baby. You can't walk. You can't eat. And then the rest, like no one knows what's going to happen besides Mm -hmm. God, like your story's out of nowhere. And, that's kind of the the basis of it. Is when we have guests on, which we've had a lot. Of, we've been fortunate to have some really good guests. Um, but that's kind of where we went with it. And then we also knew with our humor, like our humor's a little. I mean, it's it's not locker room. It's not locker room humor, but it's just out of nowhere. It's the it's different stuff than what maybe some of you might just hear on a radio show, right? Because it's our show. We can do it. We can do what we want. And it's, it's been kind of cool. Now we have a show. It's really random, but now we have an hour long show in San, in San Diego. Um, because I guess they liked us. I don't know who, uh, who came up with the
1: idea you or Matt.
0: So I came up with the idea. Cause I retired a year before him and I okay. did, I had, I had done some radio spots like once a week for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, you know, this is kind of fun. And like, I can say whatever I want. And if they want to get mad at me, fine. Don't really care. <laughs> and it was something that I was like, you know what? This could, this could be fun. And I said, Slaw, let's do it. And he's like, ah, yeah, you know, I have kind of interest. He didn't really, but I was like, all right, he'll be my first guest. He came on, we did a show and it was, by the way, you listen back to it. It was trash. Oh, it was the ter- first episode
1: is always terrible. The, the yeah. first yeah. like <laughs> 10 were like,
0: what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is the worst thing ever. And but we looked at each other and it was like, he's like, "Yeah, you want to do this?" And I'm like, "Well, I asked you a long time ago, but it ended up we had a similar interest in it, and now it's went from you know doing it once a week to now we usually have two or three episodes, to, most of the time three a week, and it's and it's not it's NFL stuff, um, like the one that came out today. It was I think it was called Super Dad." And it's because I get super annoyed with the dads that are over like trying to live their life through another through their Mm. kids and trying to make their kids get scholarships when they're five freaking years old. Like, come on. Like, so we had 30 minutes of being super annoyed with it and (laughs) and just just being honest and saying, like, no, let them play as many sports as they want. Like, you, you don't need your kid to be a child prodigy when it comes to sports.
1: Uh, I also want to ask you, I did a little bit of research in your uh, your consulting company, Performance Mountain. Um, I love stuff like this, and I'd love to hear more about it. Tell people where uh, they can go to learn more about what it is that you guys do and, and the services that you guys provide.
0: Yeah, it's at performancemountain.com. And what we do is, we. so it's a consulting company, but what we what we really try to do is we try to just help you max out. Mm. And, and max out is and obviously, what you're doing, but but we do that through like teaching leadership, team dynamics, and also elite level mindset. So Slosson's a part of that. Jack Riggins, a 20 year Navy Seal. Uh, we have a, a psychologist who's worked with many many national championship volleyball teams, and then some other sports I can't remember. But he's unbelievable. And what we do is we work with businesses and we work with sports teams. The one that you guys would maybe be familiar with is Creighton's men's basketball. So we this is our second year with them. And do we take credit for their success? No, we're just like a small portion. We're we're trying to do um, anything to get help them have an advantage. Um, and and you know hopefully that continues to go on. Um, I'm not the I'm not the one I'm not the boss over there. So but what I'm saying is we're just trying to help. Teams.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, we do help individuals, but like when businesses, when it comes to business, that's why I said CEO is you need your CEO to be a leader. And what does it look like sometimes? A lot of time, most of the time, it's a CEO that is a servant leader who has expectations, sticks to them, keeps people accountable, and is just a real person. It's not always the CEO that has their nose up, head up. No. Because I don't want to work for you. Mm. If you're on a sales team and your CEOs like that, I mean, yeah, you're off commission, but yeah, hopefully I do well. But if you have someone that is leading correctly, those people are going to sell like no other. And so, so that's what it's about. We're just, we're trying to, we've had a lot of experiences. Jack being in the Seals for 20 years and on a football level has been a player, a coach and a GM, but in the Seals. Doc, we just call him Doc. His name's Larry Whidman. He's he's been obviously more qualified than us when it comes to medically. He does the he does the my a lot of the elite level mindset stuff. And then Slaw and I, we've fortunately played on four different teams because we've seen the really good, the really, you know, decent, and then really bad in certain spots. And and that's been um super, super valuable. And, and we think that those experiences are valuable for others.
1: It's all. And what you were talking about in terms of some of those traits, those relatable qualities, bring it back full circle. Some of the stuff that you said about uh, coach Sirianni at the top of the conversation, Danny, this has been awesome, man. Really, really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Well, great stuff there from Danny. You can follow on Twitter just like I do, at Danny underscore Woodhead. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out today to someone who left a rating and left a comment really we got two guys i want to hit on here Matty g underscore 28 left a five-star review saying hey i've been listening for two years and it's still the best and most well-balanced podcast love the breakdowns love the analysis maddie g really appreciate the kind words thanks so much for the review and for the comment and then we have a question from max dz3 saying first off thank you for all the various lessons you've taught me over the years of listening with the hiring of nick sirianni and taking a look at some of his background It's clear that he's most experienced with the wide receiver position as well as with the quarterback-wide receiver relationship. So when you look at the group of wide receivers on this roster, what traits do you think they lack the most? And he keeps going. He said the first traits that come to mind are physicality, hand usage versus press, ball skills, confidence, and swag. These traits are arguably what makes LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase so special and worth that high of an investment. All that being said, what are your thoughts on the potential pairing of Carson Wentz Nick Sirianni, and Jamar Chase. So, uh, Max D., it's a great question, and I really love where your head's at. I, the, it's the way to think about the NFL draft and the way to think about team building is all these pieces all complement one, on one another. The scheme and the coaching complements the quarterback. It complements the receiver. It complements the relationship between those two guys. How everything is all intertwined. So, it's, you're thinking about this the exact right way. I think when you look at this receiving core, it's something we talked about really with a couple of our guests. We talked about it with Mike Quick a couple weeks ago. We talked about it with Greg Cosell right when the season ended. I think when you look at these receivers, the Eagles have certainly Jalen Rager. You know that he's going to be – just looking at the young guys, you look at Jalen Rager, you look at J.J. Arthega-Whiteside, you look at Quez Watkins, you look at John Hightower, you look at Greg Ward. They all offer kind of a – Travis Fulgham, of course. I didn't even mention Travis Fulgham. But there's – all these complementary skill sets here, right? I mean you look at uh at JJ and you look at, at Travis Fulgham, they're bigger bodies. They've got the ability to go up and win. Uh you know, they've got that ability to run through contact and make plays uh, above the rim and uh you know go down and make those contested catches through the ground, through contact. You love that. You look at Quez Watkins certainly yards after catch, a big part of it. Both he and John Hightower, speed is the name of the game, right? And their ability uh, to do it in different ways. I think with Quez, he's got the ability to go over the top, but he also, uh, what we saw on that long touchdown against the the Arizona Cardinals, that he can be a catch-and-run player as well. And then with John Hightower, Vertical stretch game, right? Deep balls, deep posts, go routes. Uh, that's where John Hightower brings a lot of value. So I think when you look at these guys, wide variety of skill sets, Greg Ward, possession threat, great route runner. You know, I think when you look at him and say, okay, can he be what Zach Pascal has been uh, You know, for the Indianapolis Colts the last couple of years? Can he do some of those similar things? I think it's a really interesting group of receivers just looking at the young guys and not even counting uh, the veterans that are still on the roster uh, at this point. So I think when you look at those young, young guys, it's going to come down to how do they view them and the off-field stuff that certainly will play into that, right? How, you know, how do you feel comfortable uh, with this guy? Is this a guy that uh, you can count on moving forward to be the guy? Is he ready for a larger role to be a full-time starter? Uh, you know, I think that that's going to be a big part of the conversation. But the, look, when you look at these receivers, I think the best part about you know, what Nick Sirianni even mentioned in Friday, on Friday at his, uh, in his press conference, look, we're going to cater – to the personnel we have, we're not going to try and fit square pegs into round holes. If uh, you know, if we feel that this player is the best player at this at this point in the draft, we're going to take this guy and we're going to find ways to make him successful. You know, Michael Pittman. I don't know that I sat here last year uh, and said, "Oh, the the wide receiver from USC, Michael Pittman, great yards after catch weapon." Guess what? They found ways to get him the football in his hands because you know that he's got, he was a big kid uh, with speed. And guess what? He, he was one of the better yards after catch rookies in the league this year when he was healthy. So I, I think when you look at uh, a lot of those players out there in Indianapolis, they were able to find ways to get the ball into their hands quickly. A lot of stuff we talked about earlier with Danny—they're trying to really best leverage the skill sets of all those guys. So you know, you're talking about Jamar Chase, and you compare him to Devonte Smith—that's going to be the big debate all spring. And you throw Jalen Waddle in there as well; those guys all have. Complementary skill sets. Some guys, you know, some of them are, are stronger in some areas than others. We talk about it every single week over on the journey to the draft. I can't wait to see how this shakes out and how how these guys are viewed, um, you know, overall by the league, and and we'll kind of see how that pans out over the next few months. But I love where your head's at. I think you're thinking about things exactly the right way. You know, you're trying to pick, you know, trying to connect the dots best you can. I think it'll be, uh, it's gonna be a fun process. It's gonna be a, a lot of fun discussion over the next few months. So I uh, really appreciate the questions and comments there from Matty G, from Max D as well, and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here at Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you later this week. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broad and Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink. Featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay. Broad and Pattison wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com wine to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation.